0: Well, good morning, Randall. How's everybody doing this morning? <laughs> good. So for like the 95% of you probably don't know who I am, my name is Nick Calcagno, as you guys got the introduction. Um, I'm from Rochester, New York, um, and my wife and I just moved up here just last week from over there. We were doing some ministry out there, and um, we felt like the Lord was calling us to move over here. So we were like, all right, God, show us the way. Show us what you want us to do. And so he started closing some doors back there and started opening some more doors over here. So we decided, hey, let's take that step of faith and see what the Lord does. And so right now, my wife is currently working at Sunrays Ministries. And uh, as you guys know, I'm doing the internship here. Which I kind of find funny because you said you don't get the keys until the third week. I got the keys now. Um, I don't know if there was a memo missed there or not, but I definitely have them. Actually, my wife has them right now. Um, So... I don't know if I was allowed to say that or not, but. Um, So, as you know, we've been going through this series called Grace Driven Church over the last several weeks. Um, And this whole series is built on the book of Titus, right? And so, um, as you heard, I'm going to be concluding this series for you guys. But before we can get to to the conclusion, I want to get to the meat of what this book is all about, the main theme, the main point. Because throughout this whole book, you see that there's a main point all the way through. And then I'm going to build on top of that. Okay, so if you have your Bibles out, there should be a Bible in front of you. We're going to be in Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. I'll give you a second to get there. Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Here's what it reads. And I'm using the NIV version just in case anybody's got their iPads like I do. So for the grace of God has appeared. That's where we get the grace-driven church from. That offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing Of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So if we were going back to the beginning, God created everything. He created everything beautiful. He, cre- he created everything perfect. There was no sin. There was no suffering. There was no dysfunction. There was no death. Everything was amazing. We can't even grasp that in our minds. Like, we can't imagine a world without any pain. We can't imagine the world without any type of dysfunction in it. But that's how God originally designed it. And then He gave us this choice. He said, hey, you can either follow what I say and live in the most beautiful place possible, or you can disobey me and sin will come. And I'm warning you, don't do that. And as you guys know, we fell short. We did. We sinned against God. And that's where all this suffering, that's where all this pain comes from. That's where all this dysfunction comes from. And that's all where death comes from we brought the destruction here we've been enslaved to sin and there's nothing we can do on our own to get out of it God saw that and by his grace he made a plan and he sent his son Christ into the world to live a perfect sinless life die a death he did not deserve and rose from the grave to bring himself glory and to save us from the very thing we brought ourselves into. I don't know what you call that other than love. He did that for us. And so when he did that, He says, if you believe in what I've done and turn away from your sins, I will save you. I will redeem you. I will buy you out of that enslavement and I will give you a new life. And you will represent me on this planet. And that's the whole idea. That's the foundation. A life redeemed by Christ produces action that reflects him And as a witness to the world, world, a grace-driven church. It all starts with Christ. And when he changes us, he uses us for his glory. And so I'm going to pray, but I just wanted to give you that firm foundation first because we're going to build on top of that because that's the theme throughout the whole book that we see. And so I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much just for this day, just for this time that you've given us to be here in your presence, God. Lord, I pray that you just fill this room with your spirit and that your power just moves today. I pray that if there is any deception from the enemy that's striving to come in here, that you just get him out and let your truth be known. Let our hearts be in tune with what you're speaking to us this morning. God, I pray that you empower me with the words that you want spoken this morning. And Lord, I just thank you so much just for this opportunity that we can be here and be in your presence right now. May you receive the glory and honor today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the message, the title of the message this morning is called A Grace-Driven Winning Circle. Remembering the pit Pit crew. I'll read that again. A Grace-Driven Winning Circle remembering the pit crew. So we're going to be in the last three verses, which is Titus 3, 12 through 15, is what we're going to be looking at. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the American culture or something, um, or if this is kind of all over, but there seems to be a strong tendency where the whole responsibility of the mission of the gospel seems to have a tendency to be put heavily, purely on the leaders, and that's it. There seems to be this shift to, oh, hey, my friend needs to get, get saved. I'm going to bring him to church so my pastor can lead him to Christ. Right? There seems to be this thing where the pastors, hey, they're doing all the meetings. They're doing all the things. They're doing all the work for us. Right? But Paul doesn't see it that way. He sees himself as just a part of the team. And so he has a whole crew with him. And his goal, what he oftentimes done, is that because... I think if we were to put ourselves in his shoes, we would see that he was probably put the same thing. I mean, man, if a guy's doing miracles and doing all these things for Christ, I'd probably have a tendency, you do it. I want to do it. You're the one healing people. You're the one lead go ahead, you do it. I can't do that, right? And so he was probably dealing with that himself. But his whole mindset was, I want to lead people to Christ, disciple them, and then empower them to lead. Empower them to make the difference in the world. That was Paul's mindset. All for the glory of God. That's what he would strive to do. And so in the closing of this book, we're going to look at a couple things that we can grasp from the Apostle Paul. And the first point we're going to be looking at is the mission of the gospel needs leaders characterized by it. The mission of the gospel needs leaders characterized by it. So we're going to look at verse 12 right there. As soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, try to say that a couple times, um, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to winter there. So, So Paul started this work on the island of Crete, right? And he left his man Titus there. To finish the work for him. And what Paul was doing is he was leading people to Christ. He was striving to plant churches. He was refuting false doctrines that were going around. And he was trying to build up leaders to do the same thing. Right? And so, Titus, many believe that um, Paul led him to Christ. I think that's pretty fair to think. Um, and so, Titus, he would literally follow Paul everywhere. You would see him mentioned in Acts all over the place, you would see him mentioned in several other places. In the New Testament, in fact, in Second Corinthians, he's mentioned, I think, nine times of being with Paul and doing things with him, right? And so Titus, when he saw that Paul was somebody he could follow, he attached himself to him. He's like, I'm going to go wherever this guy goes. I, I don't care if he goes to the store. I don't care if he goes to the synagogue. I don't care where he goes. I want to be with this guy because I know that he's been characterized by the gospel. You see, Titus saw that Paul was redeemed and he saw it in his life. He saw the transformation. He saw that he was willing to suffer for this amazing gift that God gave us, which is his son. And he attached himself to that. And so Paul saw that Titus himself he was also characterized by the gospel. Because Titus was always around his tail. He was always holding his hand. He was always right there. So he saw his life. He saw how God changed him. He saw how he grew. So Paul mentored him and trained him and empowered him to go and do this work on this island of Crete. And this was no small task, okay? He was ordered to do this. And this this island was like, I think it was like 150 or 160 miles wide and like 35 miles long. Like, it's not a small thing that he had to do. But Paul entrusted Titus to do this because he knew him. He knew his heart. He knew that he was redeemed. He knew that he was transformed by the gospel. He saw it in his life. And so he put him in that position to be a leader. Right? When I started out in full-time youth ministry, I was 21 years old. Okay, It was a church of about Six, 700 people. Um, there was like 60 or 70 teens that were there total. And um, one of the things that I failed to do when I got there, and it's because of my own fault, I, in a way, I almost wanted it so bad that I just wanted to do whatever they said to do. So I had pastors and leaders saying, oh, this person's great. Bring them in. Have them help you lead the teams. I'm like, okay, come on in. And I just kept having these leaders. And next thing you know, I have like 10 or 12 leaders and some of them were great. But there was a couple of them whose lives weren't characterized by the gospel. And over time, I saw that the fruit wasn't there. It ended up that many of them had broken, really broken relationships. A couple of them um, ended up getting some divorces, and it just got, it got pretty messy. But it was because I was too afraid to look at what's the, what's the character here? Are they showing that they should be here? You know, not, not to not to, you know, do all by works or anything, but there should be some sense of being characterized by Christ in their lives. And over a short period of time, you might not be able to see that, but over a long period of time, it showed where their hearts were at. And it's not saying that, you know, just because they got a divorce means they weren't saved or anything like that. It was just, that was just part of all the other stuff, and they ended up walking away from the church, and just all these things started taking place, but as a leader, you know, I made that mistake of just, hey, I need help. Hey, I want to impress people. Hey, I want to, and it hurt a lot of people. It hurt a lot of teams. It hurt a lot of leaders. It just brought some destruction. And so that's what happens if we don't have the right people in the right spots. And so I feel like I can relate to Paul here a little bit because, you know, this is what he was doing. Obviously, he did it way better than I did, but this is what he was looking for in people when it came to leading On the flip side, looking at the heart of Titus, right, he attached himself to Paul because he saw that, hey, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Titus saw that. He's like, I want that. And so by the grace of God, I had men in my life who came around me who were either in ministry or who were doing things the way they should have been, and they took me in. And they watched my life as I enrolled, and they helped me through the difficulties of life so that way I could follow Christ more deeply so that way my life would be more and more transformed by what he did for me. And that's because when I was doing some of the things I shouldn't have been doing, they said, hey, don't do it that way. That'll cause problems. And I'll tell you what, the times I listened, it went well. The times I didn't, it went bad. All right. So... Um, So a couple things we can kind of take away from this is, you know, do you—can you look at the leaders that you have here and examine their lives, and can you say, they represent Christ. I see that in them. Not to put you guys on the spot or anything like that, but um, do you see that? Are they men that you want to follow? I had the privilege of hanging out with them for this week, and it was a good time. We went to a conference these last few days, and um, I was very encouraged being with them. You guys have an amazing group of leaders here, and I am truly blessed to be, you know, be working with them for these couple weeks. Um, I feel like I've already grown like crazy in just a week, and it feels like it was, you know, longer than a week. But, um, and so I've got to know these guys, and uh, I've just been blown away being here. I've been really blessed by your leadership. Um, And so take advantage of that, you know. Um, and maybe there's some older folks in here who have been following Christ for a long time, right? I can see that there's a lot of young people here. They need you. They need you here. The older generation is to be pouring into the younger generation. Are, do you have people who haven't been following Christ as long, who are looking for somebody to pour into them, do, uh, is that you? Can you look at yourself and see how many people you've been pouring into when you've been following Christ faithfully for a long time? Do you have those people that you are pouring into? Because I tell you what, it's because of the older generation that poured into me that my life has helped. Right? My life has been transformed because... They challenge me, follow Christ here, follow Christ here, follow Christ here. Don't go there, I'm telling you. And then when I made a mistake, it's all right. I told you not to, but it's all right. You can learn from that. Keep moving forward. And that encouragement was there. Older generation, all the older folk here, do you have those people you're pouring into? Because they need you. And for you guys who are younger, man, I know you got people here following Christ faithfully. I know you do. Are you attaching yourself to them? Are you trying to hear what they have to say because they know, a lot of them know what they're talking about, right? Are you attaching yourself to them like Titus did to Paul? Because you cannot do this journey on your own. You can't. So examine your leaders. Pray for your leaders. I'll tell you what, since last night, I feel like I've been getting attacked like crazy. You know, I didn't sleep, I don't know, well, I didn't sleep at all pretty much last night. Um, My wife's dog, yes, I did say my wife's dog, she decided to um, start crying at two in the morning. And she just was going crazy and crazy and just whining and whining. I'm like, Bella, I'm about to cook you. I do not want to deal with this right now, okay? But she just kept going and going, all right, fine. So I brought her outside. She went to the bathroom, came back in, and I'm like, I can't sleep now. It's like 2 in the morning. And of course, I put Bella on the bed, go to the bathroom, come back, and she's right in my spot, waiting for me, looking at me. So I'm like, oh no. So I pick her up, go to put her in a bed, and what does she do? She bites my arm. She was not having it. I wasn't very nice to her either, but, um, yeah. So, another thing that we can get from this is that, like I said earlier, Paul was intentionally looking to lead people to Christ, mentor them, and empower them to do the work of the gospel. And so he was always looking to be planting leaders in different areas. He was always looking to be planting churches. And that's what I love about your guys' church here, is you guys aren't just looking to do church. You guys are looking to plant churches. You guys are looking to plant people in leaderships. You guys are looking to empower the next generation to do the work of the gospel. That's awesome. That blew me away this week. I was like... That's incredible. And I get the privilege of being part of that for three weeks. And in fact, while these guys are pouring into me for the next three weeks, they're empowering me for whoever God has me next. And so I'm receiving this last part from them, and I have definitely been blessed by it. And I've also seen this happen when I was in youth ministry as well. Um, I had a bunch of teenagers that were there, right, and um, they loved the Lord. I just saw their passion, I saw their desire to follow Him, and I was just like, I want those four. And so what I did is I would hang out with them as much as I could, I'd spend time with them, praying for them, pouring into them, exactly what the men in my life did to me, and I saw that in their lives. That. That, made, that was the best time of being in ministry for me because I got to saw them get empowered and do things for the glory of Christ. And they were just teenagers. So here's the next point we're going to be looking at. So we have point one. The mission of the gospel needs leaders characterized by it. Point number two. The mission of the gospel Doesn't revolve around us. We revolve around the mission. Here's the next verse, verse 13. Do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Okay, Paul was trying to teach Titus here that, hey, what you're doing in Crete is amazing, it's awesome, keep doing it, but remember, It's not just you're the lion that you're doing. You're not just focused on this. You also have people who are on the same mission that you are for the gospel. Partner with them. If they're coming through where you're at, help them. Prepare for their needs. Give them what they need so that way they can go on to the next place and continue the work. And so he's teaching them, partner with them. Take care of their needs. And we see that. We don't know much about Zenos, the lawyer, other than that he was a lawyer, but knowing that Paul was endorsing it, we can assume that he was characterized by the gospel. Now, Apollos, on the other hand, we know quite a bit about, he, he, was, he was fighting for the gospel before he really, truly understood the fullness of it, but he knew that everything was starting to point to Jesus. And then some, uh, Priscilla and Aquila started coming in and teaching them more accurately the word of the scriptures. And he grew more in that. And then eventually he would go out and he would start ministering to people and going. And so he was characterized by the gospel too. He was shown that, hey, I'm not going to move from what Christ has done in my life. I know what he's done. I know that he's the answer. And so he was going out. And so he's like, hey, those guys, help them. They're your partners. They need you. And I, I love this um, and I actually see it here in Buffalo, too, which is really encouraging for me. But when I was in Rochester, I would, all, I would meet up with, once a month, a bunch of youth pastors. There was like it was like five to eight of us regularly. And we were all talking about the things that we were going through. We were all talking about the resources we need. We were all talking about our struggles, praying for each other, encouraging each other, helping with, out, with each other's needs. Because we knew that the gospel's bigger than just our youth ministry. Not that that's saying... That's not important, that's absolutely important. But it wasn't just that, it was all of us. Because our goal was to reach the youth of Rochester. We wanted to reach, with all the churches, we wanted to partner with each other and do what we could to reach Rochester. And we did that as a team. And so, we didn't allow the gospel just to, you know, focus on just here, which isn't bad. but. It's the big picture of what the gospel's all about. Which is, we glorify God by making disciples of all nations. That's the big picture. And we're just a part of that big picture. And so, uh, I was in the office. I was, in, I was actually using Pastor Milo's office to prepare for the sermon. And uh, I kept getting mesmerized by all the books that he had, because there's like tons of them. I was like, man, I don't want a library that big. Um, but when I stopped getting distracted by all the books, I I walked out because I was actually right at the section, and I saw one of the secretaries had a book out, and it had all the lists of the ministries and uh, the missionaries that Randall partners with. And I was I was like. I want that. Can I get that? And she goes, no, I got something better for you. So she brings me over to the prayer room, and uh, she takes me over to a table that you guys have in the back, and there's a binder like this big of all the information of all the people that you guys partner with. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I took the whole thing in the office, and I just put it down, and I opened it. I was like, this is way too much to read in a couple hours. I need more time. Um, but as I was going through, I just saw, okay, here— was listed out all the local ministries and all the local churches that you guys partner with and that you guys are on the same mission, right? I was like, this is awesome. And then I looked at the next one and I had all the global missionaries that you guys partner with too. And actually, you guys had one of them here last week, right? It was from Japan. I can't remember the names of them, but I was like, that's cool that they're in such an unreached area that you guys here at Randall are partnering with them to help them reach people which means all the people that they reach you guys partnered with them in that you guys have a part of that and that's what it's all about that's why the gospel doesn't just revolve around one spot it revolves well we revolve around the gospel the whole mission of it and so while i was in the car with these guys um at the leadership conference that we were at I just kept hearing them talk about, oh, there's this church, that's awesome. There's this church, that's awesome. Oh yeah, I've hung out with that pastor before. Oh, and it's just like, wow, you guys are connected with everyone around here. That's incredible. And so that's what it means to partner in the gospel. You see, we, the gospel doesn't revolve around us. We revolve around the mission of the gospel. And so just a couple things to think about. You as individuals, okay, do you know the people that your church partners with? Do you know the local ministries that you guys partner with here? Do you know the global ministries that you guys partner with here? Okay, because they're your brothers and sisters just as much as the people are in this room. And so I'm telling you, if you guys want all the information on who you're partnering with, just go to the prayer room. You'll see a whole list of them. And if you get to know who they are and what they're doing, you can begin praying for them. You can begin, even in some of the local ones, volunteering at some of them. Or you can help provide for those who are global. Or you can go. That'd be fun. You know. So do you guys know them? Actually, one of the partners you guys partner with is actually Sunrays Ministries, which is where my wife's working at now. And so it was pretty cool to see that, just seeing all the different things that you guys have on there. And so even something like that, do you know them? Because that's what Paul is trying to teach Titus here is, hey, know others who are on the same mission and partner with them because that's how you're going to reach the world. And so point one, we looked at. The mission of the gospel needs leaders characterized by it, which is where we get the planting, planting new leaders, planting new churches. And that's what your church is all about. And the mission of the gospel doesn't revolve around us. We revolve around the mission of the gospel, partnering with other ministries in this area and globally to reach all the communities for the gospel's sake. Do you know them? That's another, I think, I don't know if that's a value or not here, but one of the things you guys are striving to do is partner with other ministries around here. Do you know them? Have you prayed for them, even volunteered, or even, you know, helped provide for their needs? And here's the last point we're going to be looking at this morning the mission of the gospel involves every believer's participation. The mission of the gospel involves every believer's participation. Verse 14. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. So guys, when we look at this verse, we can go back to what the main theme of Titus is. All right, we saw that The good deeds or the good actions that come from our lives come from being redeemed in Christ. The whole point of doing good, the whole point of doing these things is because when we've been changed by Christ, it's going to produce action that's going to reflect who he is and be a witness to the world. You know, I've heard this phrase over and over and over again. Um... And it's not that I don't agree with it. I just don't think it gives the whole picture. Hey, let's go witness to those people. Let's go witness to those people. Hey, let's go to the store and witness the... That's only part of the picture. You see, the greatest witnessing I have ever seen is when somebody's life goes from being dead in sin and made alive in Christ and the transformation that comes through that is mind-blowing to people because that's the witness That's the witness. So, if you've been changed by Christ, right, if you've been transformed by Him, and you walk into your workplace and you are living for Him, that's the witness. When you bring your presence into that place after you've been redeemed or bought out of sin to be renewed in Christ, that's the witness. That's you bringing the presence of Christ in your workplace. Some of you guys in school, that's you as well. If you've been changed by the gospel, if you've been changed by what Christ has done, when you walk into your school and that change is evident in your life and it produces the actions that honors God, that's you being a witness for him. Now, that doesn't mean you don't talk about Christ. It just means that that's going to mean more when you actually talk to them about who God is. Because if you try to witness to somebody, but your life doesn't reflect that, they're going to call you a hypocrite right away. But if you're going in there, and it's clear that something has changed, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, it doesn't mean you're not going to fail sometimes, it just means there's going to be some sort of transformation that people will see. That could be at work, that could be at school, that could be in your families, amongst your friends. Just over a year ago, My wife and I got married um, back in May 2016, so it's just over a year now. Um, And my best friend, who I love dearly, he did the best man speech, because he was the best man at my wedding. And um, he shared this story (coughs) of when we were kids. Uh, We were like 16 years old or something like that. And um, at that point, God really got a grip on my life. Now, I wouldn't say I wasn't saved. I say I was saved, but... There's something that took place when I was at a camp. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys ever heard of Camp Lilo lie before. Um, but while I was there, yeah, there you go. Um, but while I was there, God just took, just took a huge grip on me, and it just changed me like crazy. And so when I got home, him and I weren't hanging out as much because he would openly tell you at that point he didn't know the Lord. Right? He, he, he would just walk the walk. He talked the talk, right? But he... Um, He said he can remember that we were kind of distancing each other and then all of a sudden we hung out one time and he flipped out on me. He's like, man, are we even friends anymore? Do you even love me anymore? We don't even hang out. We don't even do anything. And I was like, dude, no, that's not it at all. I love you like crazy. But um, my life changed. And it's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't want to hang out with you. But the direction that you're going is not where I want to be because that's not going where God wants you to go. I want to go where God wants me to go. And so just over a year later, he got saved. And he's like, dude, I remember that moment when we had that talk that, that never left me. And when Christ changed my life, that was part of it. And I wasn't even trying to talk to him about Jesus at that point. I was actually, I was actually too afraid to at that point, right? I was like, uh, I don't want to talk about this. But then he brought it up. And then I was able to talk to him about it. And it, he didn't get saved at that moment, but he remembered that when he did. Because that was part of the whole picture. And so my, I was allowing the presence of the Lord known. And that's another part of what you guys do strongly here is you want your presence known in your church. You want your presence known in your communities. You want want your presence known everywhere. Why? Because if your presence is being known, it's because you're doing so out of glorifying Christ. And so another cool way you guys could do that is, I know you guys are having a fall festival come up um, on like September 8th, I believe it is. Yeah, September 8th. Um, And that's an opportunity to even bring a friend and say, hey, why don't you come hang out with us? And then you just brought them into an area that is going to be full of God's presence because all you are going to be there. And what makes this so powerful is that this gives each and every one of you value. You catch that? It gives each and every one of you value because if this mission involves all of us, and if all of us who are Christians have been changed by God, and wherever we go, we can make that difference. It involves every single one of us. Which means it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. If that change has taken place, you're going to be a witness to the world. And so I'm just going to have everybody close your eyes um, and the worship team come on, come on up. Um, As we've been going through this, we saw point one, the mission of the gospel needs leaders characterized by it, okay? Be examining your leaders, be pouring in the next generation, attaching yourself to somebody who's already following the Lord and looking to plant new leaders and empower them, which is part of your guys' statement. Point number two, the mission of the gospel doesn't revolve around us, We revolve around the mission. Do we know who we're partnering with? Are you able to pray for them? Are you able to volunteer for them? Are you able to some way provide for them? Point number three, the mission of the gospel involves every believer's participation, which means all of us who have been changed can give his presence everywhere we go. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a minute and examine your own heart, your own life. Think about some of the things we talked about this morning. Do you see the gospel characterizing your life? Do you see it changing you? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about a change that has taken place. Because as we go through this life, there's going to be a lifelong journey of being changed by the Lord. But do you see some way, shape, or form that change in your life? When people look at you, do they see your love for this community at Randall and the community around you? You know, think about that. Maybe you've walked in here, this is like your first or second time being here, and um, this is your first time hearing about Christ. You know, if you want to know more about what he's done for you, there's going to be a couple, I think a couple pastors in the back after this, who are going to be able and willing to talk to you if you need to be talked about. I know I'll be back there. Um, So if you want to talk more of what that means, come talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about it. Um, Otherwise, Christians, you know, be examining your heart, setting your mind on him, allowing him to make that change in your life. I'm going to end with this verse, and then I'm going to pray for you. Everyone with me sends you greetings Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. dearly Father, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that, um, honestly, God, I thank you for changing me. I thank you for setting this captive free from the enslavement of sin, Lord. I thank you for making me new. I thank you that there are so many other people here who have also had that same experience of being set free from the captivity of sin. I thank you so much for their lives. I thank you that you are continuing to transform them and I pray that um, this morning is just an encouragement to them and then they can take these thoughts and really dwell on what you're saying in your word. Lord, I pray you bless the rest of our morning and I thank you so much for it in Jesus' name. Amen.